Hello, hello. This is Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Today's episode is all about going from a career in corporate to being a full-time creator influencer. We see it happening more and more every day. And it's funny because at Instagram, where I worked for the past four and a half years, it was all about, well, for the consumer side, it was all about how does Instagram connect people with their interests? And from the creator side, which is where I worked, it was how do we help people earn a living through their passion? Now, most reports state that the size of the actual creator economy is valued at $104 billion and is projected to grow by $200 billion by 2026. This is a space that's evolving rapidly. And you'll remember if you listened to the last career episode that my mom was in Canon. This was a big topic of discussion there. Let's listen to this clip to get some insight about how marketers and advertisers are thinking about the creator space. The first thing I'm going to say is pay your creators, <laughs> pay your creators what they're worth, not what you think they'll take. Mm. She said, because they are going to change the trajectory of your business, your success, your engagement and your brand reputation. So pay them, she said, and not only pay them, but bring them into the company in a way that respects the gifts that they have. To talk about the things that you love, cultivate an audience around that, and then earn a living either through directly getting patronized by your audience or through advertisers that value you because of your audience. It's something that we're seeing more and more. So we know that it's possible, but I was really interested to hear from people that took the leap themselves and just to understand how do you know when the tipping point is and what's the hardest part about being a creator and an influencer? I talked to Nana Egemein, John Yushai, and Chrissy Rutherford, three people approaching their online presence in very different ways, but I really wanted to get their advice. Now, depending on when you're listening to this episode, you may have just seen that I've announced my first ever brand trip. I'm going to Tokyo for five nights and four days with Shiseido, and the itinerary looks incredible. And I love Japan, and I love Japanese beauty culture, and I love skincare with tradition. So there's just so much to look forward to. This is a dream work opportunity. And I I don't think there's a more interesting time to be a creator. I've always loved being a storyteller, directing little short films. I used to do it on my camcorder. I would make my friends be in plays and then I would take the video and I would basically edit short music videos in real time, then on iMovie and now short form video in a way on TikTok and Reels. I love podcasting. I love coming up with creative ideas, but I also understand that it's a business and that very much has to be respected and understood on the creative side. And then the most important piece of the puzzle to me, in my opinion, that can never be overlooked is that as a content creator, you are in service to your audience. You create, edit, and distribute your content in a way that yes, your creative vision is fulfilled, but ultimately you're providing value to your audience. Now that value may be information. It may be beauty inspiration, a new way to tie a scarf as a top, a PSA about wearing sunscreen, a laugh that someone really needed that day, but you're creating for your community and you're creating value for your community. So Again, I always have to say how much I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now without your support and how much it means to me. All right, let's hear from my incredible guests. 
Nana Ejimine has worked with Refinery29, Elle Magazine, The New York Times, and BBC News as a strategist, video host, and spokesperson, and writer. She created Every Stylish Girl back in 2016, and it was a platform that connects black and brown women with opportunities in the fashion and media world. This site is incredible. I actually just went to the job board as research for this episode, and they have amazing positions open at places like Sephora, Ring Concierge, Parachute. She's really doing the work in the field. She's got a master's from Columbia. She does these incredible sip and slay events around the world. I first met Nana when she was at New York Mag's The Cut, where she grew their following to a million. I was so eager to get her tips and tricks and insights about being a creator full-time, which is something she's been at for a couple of years now. Let's hear from Nana. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Nana, welcome back to Naked Beauty. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I'm so thrilled to be back. Like, it's crazy to be virtual. But <laughs> I know. I I'm know. I'm looking forward to this. I mean, you were like full-time content creator, entrepreneur, own your own business. So you are very much inspiring to me as I embark on this full-time journey. Yeah. I mean, it's you're in it for a ride. I think I had texted you that like... <laughs> There is a journey ahead. I think the most amazing thing about you, Brooke, and people who continue to have side hustles is you've been doing this journey, right? Like you're just thrusting yourself into it now full time, but it's always been, right? It's always been that nine to five and that five to grind. Five to grind is right. So tell me about your decision to work for yourself and what was kind of the point where you were like, you know what, I am just going to do this. I'm not going to work for anyone else. I'm going to work for Nana. Yeah. So I think I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It was like kind of in my blood. I remember like in high school, I was taking photos for people like in their backyards. Like I was always charging people to do some type of creative services, even when I was 16. And when I started working in social media, I was like, you know, my goal is never to build someone else's company. It's to build Mm. my own, right? My Mm. own empire. And so when I got to the cut and they had set a really high goal for me and they were like, can you double our following to 1 million? I said, sure. And I'm going to do it in a year. And I told myself once I had hit that milestone, I was going to pivot. And I don't know, right? That pivot could have looked like 
pivoting to my first ever what I thought would have been a six-figure job. Pivoting could have been saving up enough to quit my full-time job, right? It was really just going to be a pivot, right? Like in whatever direction the Lord sent for me, I was going to go into. It just so happened that during that same time that we had hit 1 million followers on the cut, it was during the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. So you had a movement of millions, millions of people started to follow, you know, Black creative and entrepreneurs and businesses and wanted to know how they can invest and collaborate and partner. And so I just happened to have a huge growth of partnerships at that time. And I started saving my money from those partnerships. And I had one partnership from a tech company so large that it was like my one year salary from the cut. And I mean, tell me about like a clear sign, right? Like there couldn't be a more clear sign than this is your time to quit, right? Yes. Now, the creator economy is growing rapidly. And I do think that more and more people that create content on the side will be forced to answer this important question. Can I make a lot more money just from a purely financial perspective? Can I make more money creating content that I'm excited about versus getting a check from other people, including health insurance and all of that? Was that financial difference clear to you even within the first year? Yeah, I think in general, right? Like before, even before becoming a creator or pivoting to launch your own business, you always save, right? I think most people say six months to a year of salary, six months to a year of income. So if it doesn't work out, you can go back, work Mm -hmm. nine to five, work corporate America. And so I told myself like, Hey, I'm going to take a risk, right? I'm going to see what happens in the next six months to a Mm -hmm. year. And then in that one year I was making two times what I made, right? Like, like just within that six months of what I was making the year before with my salary. And then a year after Wait, say that, that, say that again. I want to make sure okay. I'm processing. So that. the first, so the first year after quitting the cut, I made twice what I made in my income at the cut in one year. Wow. Okay. Two so years you- after that, I made three times what your I- annual salary. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was just a clear sign to me that, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, I think that sometimes like when you take a pause and I'm the type of person, like I still have a spreadsheet where I calculate like all my income Mm -hmm. for my different partners and what I'm bringing in. And so at the end of every year, which I mean, as a entrepreneur, you should do this with your taxes anyway. You, you see that instant growth and you see just shortly within that six months, like yeah, I'm already making it right away. Um, So I would just tell people like, it is incredibly lucrative. There's so much money. What it's like this year is like billions now. It just keeps growing and growing. Um, And Instagram is not dying anytime soon. There's still money to be made on Instagram. I know people feel like, am I too late to the Instagram game? I don't think so. Um, I think that you should do both. I think you should invest time into TikTok and Instagram, kind of like what you are doing yourself, Brooke. Yes. And then I just recently launched on YouTube. Not, oh my gosh. Yes. But for the podcast, you know, uh, podcasting is growing so much on YouTube. So that this is a question I have for you. As a creator, there are so many opportunities, so many, you're getting pulled in so many different directions. People want to send you stuff. People want you to review. I mean, it's just like, there's just a lot. How do you hone in and focus on the partnerships that are going to bring you joy and also provide value to you? Yeah, I think in the beginning, I took anything that would give me money in the bank. <laughs> there was, 
No, no. Well, it depends, right? There wasn't. Did no- you have a minimum? Because I've, I've heard from a lot of creators that they set a minimum threshold to engage. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Brooke, this was so early on. Like, I, like I don't, I don't know if I had ten thousand followers, right? Like, so I think at that point, if someone was like two hundred and fifty, five hundred, like to we're down. To post one story, let's be real. You're getting paid $500 to take a photo that's going to take you 20 seconds. Oh my God, yeah. um, But obviously now I have a budget that I like to meet every single month. And once I've hit that cap, I kind of don't take any more partnerships in. Oh, that's interesting. I do run a full-time company and manage a team of five. So it's a lot for me to be like, hey, I can take all these on. So what I'll do is like, great, I've hit my cap. I'm done. Like I already know right now that I am not working on any partnerships unless they're really, really close to my heart and because I've hit my goal. Right. And like, yes, of course, like if there's an opportunity and someone's like 50,000, I'm gonna be like, yeah, let's do it. But it's like, you know, one to two or three, I'm probably going to pass it up right now just because I have so many other partnerships I need to hit and execute on um, throughout the month that I've already hit my financial cap too, which sounds, I know it sounds so weird. Like what the heck is she talking about a financial cap? But I think it's also for my mental health. I don't want to overwhelm myself. And I know money is money, but not all money is good money, right? Especially not to your mental health. Absolutely. You have to protect your time and have like room to breathe. Now, one of the things that I feel like I have witnessed you being able to do, which I think is just so inspiring, is pretty much work from anywhere. Like you are Miss Jet Set. Like Nana is always somewhere fast. The backdrop is always one of luxury and exotic locale. Have you found that that's one of the best benefits to working for yourself, that you're not bound to a time zone. I mean, no one's really bound to the office anymore, but you're not really bound to a time zone, right? You get to kind of create your own schedule and kind of work wherever. Yeah. And you'll realize too, like from you traveling so much around the world, people in hotels and different tourism companies will say, wait, she looks like a traveler, which she wanted to happen to travel content partnerships. So it naturally happened that I started traveling a lot during the pandemic and then different hotels started reaching out to me. Like, I think I was one of the first people to partner with Nobu Los Cabos and now they're like so mainstream, but like they reached out to me. was like, oh, we noticed you went to Mexico recently. Would you want to partner with us? So that was and what like, is that? Like, what does that look like, Nana? I'm just so curious. Yeah. Like, do they do they offer to? And you don't have to say like for that specific company, but in general, are creators being paid in addition to getting everything comp? That's a wonderful question. So, wow, I love this. So in the beginning, I think it was just like, I would just love a free stay so that I can create content out of that experience and grow my following through that. Um, I would say this was probably when I was at like 20, 30K followers. Um, And I think now it's so crazy you say that. I had this wonderful opportunity. They were going to fly me out, stylist, food, penthouse suite, all this stuff. And I turned it down. Um, It was unpaid, but the reason why I turned it down was because they wanted to have my usage throughout Mm. their website and their email Mm. and not pay me and have like over a year. And I was like, wait, you're going to basically 
I don't want to use the word explode, but like you're going to have me all over, right? Without putting any dime right towards me. And I think sometimes like you need to realize like, okay, what are your limits, right? Like what are your standards here? Because at the end of the day, like, yes, it's a free stay, but you're putting in time, right? You're putting in time that I can't work with other partnerships because I'm going to be X, X, this place for this long. Right. Um, and so I think time equals money. So now I would say I would prefer to be paid if it's something that's lining up that I really wanted to go, I don't know, Maldives. Like I would definitely take that opportunity. I think it really depends if it's something like really unique. I've never been to before. Then I wouldn't mind like in exchange for as I kind of embark on being a full-time creator, what do you think are things that are challenges that maybe you ran into in your first few years that may be coming up for me? I think it's important to be transparent with other creators. I think in the beginning, it's like, I don't want to tell you how much I'm making. Why should I share this with you? Oh, you no, know, you know, I, you and me. I'm a, I remember I remember we had one deal and I was like, I asked for this much. You're like, I asked for this much. I'm like, did they give you this much? You don't realize like how valuable it is to create a group chat with maybe two to three other creators that have similar followings than you, people who have like one of my friends actually was an influencer agent. And so sorry, mm. she worked for an agency that worked with influencers. So the amount of knowledge that she has is like through this roof. Um, and so it's to the point where like, sometimes I'm literally sending her my contracts and being like, Hey, can we walk through this? Right. Um, so I think it's really, really important to be transparent with your numbers to people you feel comfortable to be transparent with. Um, and do not overlook those numbers, y'all like separate your payments for emails for a website and for paid usage. Like, I think those were things I used to really look over when I'd say, oh, this number looks great. Right. But you really need to have a breakdown for those prices. Um, yeah, I would say that would be it. I, I mean, I feel like everything else, like, and lastly, shoot your shot. Like, I cannot tell you how many hotel partnerships I've straight up just cold DM'd like hundreds of hundreds and hundreds and let's say five say yes. And then two are paid and that's great. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. your shot. And you mentioned influencer agencies. Do you, th- I've, you know, I've had very interesting conversations with PR, like all these PR companies. First of all, I didn't know that influencers were paying for full-time PR. As I've been seeing these decks, I see like, oh, this is like a, like, I just thought these people were just being written about organically. And then I see these very well-known creators and influencers I follow, and they work with these PR companies and all of the PR I've gotten has been completely organic. I didn't even know people were engaging these. I'm like, oh, I'm so naive. And then I also talked to a few influencer agencies and I'm just, I'm right now, I'm listening and assessing and taking in information. But I know you have decided not to sign with an influencer agency and you manage it yourself. What led you to that decision? Yeah, I think, like I said, one, I have two close friends that were um, that were agents, actually, for influencer companies. So I think they have a great amount of knowledge, which is, you know, obviously a privilege on my end to have that access. But also as well, like I've run the numbers, I've compared my numbers to other people and I'm making standard, right? Like even probably I would say a little above standard what other black influencers are making at my following. Um, And so I think for me, I feel like right now I'm in a good place where I can manage my own self and my company, but I'm sure down the long run, if someone is really 
has a certain access maybe I don't have or is really guaranteeing certain numbers or more working with more luxury, you know, fashion brands, et cetera, I would work with them. But um, I think at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, like, what are your goals? Like, what do you really want that you feel like you can't, you might not have access to. And for some people it could be, Hey, I don't have access to X amount of brands. And this agency has worked with all of them, right? Like they can put my name on the front lines where I, I just can't break into. So yeah, I think it definitely works for some people a hundred percent. But for me, no, not really, not at this point, actually. The question I'm asking everyone for this conversation, everyone that I admire, everyone who's made this pivot is what do you know now about working for yourself that you wish you knew at the very beginning of your journey? Oh, this is a really good one. Um, I touched on it a little bit earlier about wishing I was more transparent um, with people around me in the industry as well with my colleagues, but I would also say that do your research a little bit more on who you work with. Dang, you know what I mean? Like I've been offered a lot of money to get Botox and there's nothing wrong with Botox, right? But like, it's hard to be like, wow, I got offered 60,000 to get Botox, but I'm going to turn it down, right? Because I might not align with that standard of that value. So I think at the end of the day, it's so important to remember like, who are you working with? Do you align with their standards? And don't be so quick to take the back. I know it looks very alluring, but more opportunities will come, I promise. That is such wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Nana. I'm like, we could really unpack this conversation more, but I'm grateful for this little nugget of wisdom. And I know that listeners will will really appreciate your, your words of wisdom too. So many gems there. Next, you're going to hear from John Yushai. And John was like my mental sanity check at work. When I was working at Instagram, whenever I had a really big idea or a new way to work with creators, John was always the first person that I bounced ideas off of. We worked in product at Instagram. So I joined maybe six months before him and we were launching IGTV. He was a PMM for all of my tech people. And we both loved and respected creators so much. And so it's funny that we're now both on the other side as full-time creators and podcasters. John's podcast creators is very inspiring. He interviews people and like young creators, people in their 20s that have made eight figures. Yes, eight figures, multi-millions as content creators. Before Instagram, John worked at YouTube and he just gets it. His advice was so valuable. Let's give it a listen. John Yushai, welcome to Naked Beauty. Yeah, Brooke, I'm so excited. I've listened. I've been a longtime fan. You you already know how much I adore working with you. And uh, it's amazing to be on your podcast. Well, you know, it's so funny because I've been having these conversations. I've had about five or six of them now with people that I really admire, like yourself, mentors of mine, some people that have had 20 years corporate experience. And the common thread is everyone has left a recognized institution to go work for themselves. But you are Mm. one of the few people that has pretty much not identical, but a very similar, (laughs) right? Like we both worked like at the platform, like in the (laughs) belly of the beast, like on the creator side and have now decided to be full-time content creators. You're at VidCon (laughs) now calling me in from your hotel room. (laughs) How, how has it been for you since you know, you left Instagram and have now been building your own company and being a creator full-time. I think one thing I'm seeing, I I bet you're going to get this even more now that you've taken the leap and and I'm so proud of you that you have. Um, 
I think there's a whole lane of people who have worked at corporations and companies that can apply that skill set to becoming a creator. Yeah. Like I think about so many of the things that we learned in Instagram that I learned at YouTube in the five years before that, that I'm applying every day, every yeah. day. Um, and that, I think I, I'm grateful for that. Yes. Yes. Talking to brands, uh, thinking about a script, um, everything. I'm, I'm like, wow, this has come like, it's not one of those things. Oh, maybe. No, no, no. It's, it's like I, I apply it every day. Yes. Now talk to me about the decision to leave and what it was like for you when you were first out on your own. The decision came like both personally and professionally. Personally, like Amanda, my wife, who's now my business manager and partner, which is a whole thing we could talk about. Like she's like, you know, like she's held down the fort. I, like like Umut has, it sounds like for you in many ways. We were uh, about to get married. We were obviously talking about having kids soon. And I was like, I'm not going to be a coulda, shoulda, woulda father. You know, I'm going to like chase my dream to become a creator, which is why, you know, I joined YouTube. I joined Instagram because I believed in, you know, the, the socioeconomic mobility that comes with being a creator. And being a first generation kid of immigrants, I was like, I want to try this and I want to try it before I have the real responsibility of being a dad. And I can't do those two things at once. And I, I, I it's either going to be, we have a kid and I'm like, I'm going back to corporate America or we have a kid and we're building a real creator business. And that, that's what's been happening. So, so knock on wood and, and we're a month away from, you know, uh, our baby girl coming out. So there we go. God, <laughs> only a month away. Oh my gosh. Congratulations, by the way. That's Thank so you. exciting. Thank now, you. What you just said about like could have, would have, should have really resonates with me because I think you only have like this one shot, right? Like you're here yeah. once and then you're gone. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the way that you spend your time while you're here is important and you can't really get that time back. What do you like about working for yourself and creating content specifically? I, I like that I can have an idea and put it in practice right away. Yeah. I like that tomorrow I'm giving a keynote at VidCon and I didn't have to run it by 1500 PR people who, you know, like nothing against comms or PR, but like, I love like the comms people we work with, but right. um, there's truth to 10 death by 10,000 paper cuts. And, and I'm not somebody that shies away from feedback. Like I, I will ask my Uber driver for feedback and I have done that many times before, you know, like I want to make the best product, but sometimes like there has to be one person who has a vision for it, guides it and brings it like to fruition. And um, it's just been liberating to be able to say, okay, I, I have this idea for an interview. I'm gonna fly out to Florida. Uh, That's what I did with this interview with Danny Duncan, um, who's this big YouTuber. Then the interview gets a million views and, and then the 24 hours with Danny Duncan on my YouTube channel gets 1.5 million views. And I can't say that I would have predicted that, but I had an idea that this guy's story wasn't being told in the way that I, I thought I could help it be told and make a video around it. Yes. Um, and I don't know if I pitched that to a big media company or bureaucracy that I would have been able to, you know, make it happen the way that, that, that it did. Absolutely. That definitely strikes a chord with me in terms of you have these ideas that you can now put into action, but I also find it a little bit addicting. Like I, <laughs> I like it right now, it's almost going to be 11 PM I'm still working. I like took a 20 minute <laughs> break to like eat dinner. Um, yeah. But it, 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 you can kind of burn out. Like I find that I'm working very, very hard. How do you manage your time? Um, I, you know, it's like the, the business side of it can be all consuming. And then I think the other thing is, is that, I, I, I don't know, for me, I get idea high a lot. Like, like you mentioned, it's like, oh, that's like, if it's new, I'm excited about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, 
And like, I, I would say like, I'm a dreamer and I, and I'm, and I'm so lucky that, and it doesn't have to be the person you marry, but you definitely need a partner or somebody you work with who's more of a realist. So mm. I always like, before I take on a new opportunity, I always talk with Amanda, who's my wife and business partner. And she like provides a lens on this. Like, if this goes really well, is this like, is this outcome worth it? Like, mm. um, if, and if you do this, but you're not able to get out your next three videos in time, is that worth it? And just like things that I'm like, okay, you're right. Like as much as I think that's a good thing to do, it's probably not uh, like worth it. And so um, who you surround yourself with, both partnership and hired help can help you time manage. That's great advice. And it also makes me think about what you said at the start of this about our corporate experience. You know, that term that we're familiar with, ruthless prioritization. Mm-hmm. I think about that all the time, right? Like when we used to have to say, okay, this is the roadmap for the half. This, these are the things that we're going to commit to. And if it doesn't fall within these like three things that we said we're going to prioritize in these next six months, then you just don't do it. You know, that yeah. rigor um, that a lot of tech companies use is a really helpful lens to use on your own work. Mm-hmm. Have you been surprised by anything in your journey as a creator? Like what surprised you? Cause I feel like we know, we know the creator world. Well, has anything surprised you since you've been doing it full time? It surprised me that, um, there's not more professionalism on the creator side. Um, that is and, true. You know, and I think, yeah. again, I think about p- people who have that all you have to do is like take your experience and figure out a way to make it entertaining and engaging and totally that to hire. So I think there's still a ton of room. So that's been surprising. Now, what has been an unforeseen challenge? Um, hiring, uh, like we went through a lot of, like I'm meticulous about my editing. Like I look at every frame of our video. Um, and I don't know, I feel like we, how many YouTube subscribers are you at now? How many views do you have? Because I just want the listeners to understand the scale of your YouTube work, which you've again only been doing full time for a year. Yeah. But what are your What are your numbers like now? Um, we are. I mean, let me pull it up because it's changed a lot in the past uh, even week. Uh, we are at um, three hundred fifty five thousand subscribers. Wow. Yeah, and across all platforms, I think we've done about three hundred million views. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, that's the reach of like a television network, you know, like I used to work in like very old school media. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned your parents earlier. Well, you mentioned that mm-hmm. you're an immigrant. Um, mm-hmm. and I know you're close with your parents. How have they mm-hmm. responded to this change? Cause I'm sure it was very like secure, like, okay, John did good in school. He went to Penn. He went to go mm-hmm. work at these great companies. He's getting a great salary to like, I'm going to just make content. Uh, I think they're always, they've always been, I mean, da- my dad is like, I, I feel like there's a level of like blissful ignorance in my family, but it's, it's like in the healthiest way. Like my dad was like, John, you could be in the NBA. I'm like, dad, we're a Persian <laughs> Jewish family. Okay. Like, you know, I can't even, I can barely hit it, the, the net. All right. Like, uh, I so no, but I believe in you, son, L- like you, I, I, I ran into your parents on a flight home and I could just see like, this is before you left. And I think your mom was like, yeah, we're waiting for her to leave her job. You know what I mean? It's like, once you do it on the side enough, it's yeah. like. Like we want to see you spread your wings by doing it full time. Clarity is better than wondering, you know, so trying it and them knowing that I've been at it for it wasn't a pipe dream, you know? Yes. Now, one of the things that you and I also have in common is we interview people. So you have Mm -hmm. a podcast and you have your YouTube series where you interview people. And oftentimes we're interviewing people that are 
wildly successful. Um, oh, speaking of Penn, you know, I talked to John Legend. John Legend. Yeah. Great job. Yes, yes. So you get access to these people that have built incredible wealth and incredible success and are incredibly talented. And I personally find it really motivating. You speak to a lot of creators specifically and creators that have made millions and millions of dollars. I mean, like when you talk to these creators that have been so successful, what do you see as the common thread? I'm trying to give an answer that's not the stereotypical work ethic. Do they all have extremely hard work ethics? Because Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. The work ethic thing, yeah. though, is interesting. I've been, there's this podcast I have to share it with you called Founders. Did I share it with you? I'm obsessed with mm -hmm. this podcast. Um, each episode, he does a deep dive on a different founder. He reads their autobiography. And I just listened to one about David Ogilvy, that he talks about how great founders all burn the midnight oil. Greatness does require a lot of sustained effort and like work ethic. Every great creator I've met has a great partner. My wife has done, but that doesn't have to be a spouse. It could be a business manager. It could be a friend. It could be another creator. And and here's another thing I heard. Um, it's like, usually it's not two people who are trying to be in front of the camera. Yes. Yeah. You know, generally the person who like has helped them has been somebody that you don't hear about a ton. And I always right. find that interesting to try to shine a light on them. So it's like, do you have somebody in your corner who like is a different skill set? Is not trying to be in front of the camera, understands your value and can help you push in certain ways that, or see those blind spots that we were talking about earlier. That absolutely makes so much sense. Absolutely. The question I am asking everyone that I've interviewed for this conversation, um, that I, I'm genuinely like really want your answer on this. What do mm -hmm. you know now that you wish you knew at the start of your journey? of working for yourself. The, the extent to which feedback really matters, you know, I'll I'll put a thumbnail together, which is so important on YouTube. And I'll text it around to like a few friends who I really trust their opinion, get their feedback. And I think the output is better than if I, you know, initially would just text it to one person or, and then they'll share stuff with me. And, and I feel like their idea, like to me, it's like a rising tide. So yeah, the importance of like feedback with both strong and weak ties is something that just I've leaned into even more uh, after a year of being like into this journey. Well, to bring the conversation full circle, what do we say in tech about feedback? We say... It's a gift. Feedback is a gift. One of the things that you'll yeah. hear <laughs> over and over again, if you write But it's in. so much more fun to be giving feedback on a creative thing than, yeah. than like, like 360 feedback on a human being. <laughs> really inspired by what you're doing. And I'm happy that I just have someone that I can come to and ask questions about how to build my team and how to scale. And you're really just like out here doing the work and it's very inspiring. Oh, Brooke, the feeling is more than mutual. I'm so proud of you. And uh, like, yeah, like all the community you've built, it's just going to skyrocket from here if you've been able to do this like on the side. So you're, it's going to be, everyone who's listening, it's just going to be such a fun journey to watch. And uh, yeah, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that part where John says that the second best time to be a creator is now. And finally, let's hear from my girl, Chrissy Rutherford, who left a very high profile job at Harper's Bazaar being flown all around the world, going to fashion events, going to fashion shows. It's not something that you think that you ever would want to leave, right? If you are in that space at a magazine that's as hard to work for as Harper's Bazaar, but what if you can still travel all around the world and go to fancy fashion shows and have designers send you things, not as a correspondent or on behalf of Harper's Bazaar, but as yourself? That is Chrissy's story. Her emotional honesty and taste has made Chrissy an amazing fashion and lifestyle creator to follow. Let's get into her advice. 
for me, it was more of this decision of like, I am leaving this work contractual arrangement where you give me a salary and I give you all of my time. I was never considering going anywhere else. So it was Harper's Bazaar or myself. A thousand percent. So how was making that decision for you when you decided, and how long had you been in Harper's Bazaar before you decided, I want to be a full-time fashion creator and own my own business? It was kind of gradual. So so I was at Bazaar for a total of eight and a half years. It's a long time. It's a really long time, especially in fashion, because people like tend to jump around quite a bit. But I stayed so long because I really felt like I had a good thing going. And as we know, in the fashion industry, like there's a lot of different personalities and temperaments that you have to deal with. So I I knew like I had a pretty good situation. So I was like, I'm just going to stick here because it feels safe. And I actually I do have a lot of freedom I think when it comes when it comes to most corporate jobs, like it felt like I had a lot of freedom um, and a lot of creative freedom. But I would say maybe around 2016, I remember I first started talking to um, Shiona Torini, actually, who had already left editorial. And she was kind of mentoring me because I was like, I need to start thinking about what is next after this. You could have been on like the editor in chief path. But I, I knew that that's not what I wanted. Okay. I think that's also really important when you're working in a corporate job. You got to look at your boss at some point and be like, do I actually want that job one day? And I didn't because there was no creativity in that job. I am like a true, like creative girl through and through. I think even running my own business can be really hard because there's a lot of money, technicalities, strategy, this, 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 and that. And how are, how is this all going to get executed? I just, I'm an ideas person. I love this tip about looking at what your boss does and saying, do I want this job for myself? That has certainly been a question I've asked myself at other companies when I knew it was kind of time to go. Like you get into mm-hmm. the more and more senior meetings and you kind of see what's happening at the top and you're like, oh, right, this isn't that interesting. In addition to wanting to expand your creativity, were there other things that made you feel like working for yourself is going to be better? Was salary, for instance, is a big motivator for people. I, I know, especially coming from the editorial world. Yeah, I think money was definitely a motivator because you know, I had a very set salary and I was really trying to fight for more money. Um, That was also part of the reason why I actually ended up staying as long as I did, because I had to have a director title when I left. I was like, I put in so much time here. I'm not leaving without a director title, just in case I ever want to go anywhere else or do anything. I just felt like that really looked the best. And because I was getting offers from brands on the side, I I knew what was out there and I knew it was possible. I had other creator friends who were making big, big bank, uh, you know, so I knew what was possible. I think I also just had this sense of I know that I'm actually meant to do much more with my life. So when you told your boss that you were leaving, Mm -hmm. what was the response? She knew that I wasn't happy. So it wasn't, it wasn't a huge surprise. And I first told her I was unhappy about like 10 months before I told her it's time to go. So you've been working for yourself again now, what, three years, four years, four years, three years now, three years, three years. Incredible. February 2023. Um, Yes. 
and you get to set your own schedule and do what you want to do and create content. I mean, it really does seem like a dream career. I would love to know what about working for yourself is unexpectedly hard. There's so much that's hard. It's really, it's really hard. I think that's why you have to really be driven by purpose. You can't necessarily just be driven by money, you know, because it, yeah, that it might pay off, but it might not. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, like after coming out of corporate, being like actually setting a schedule and like getting myself to sit down and work sometimes that can be really hard. But I also try to like give myself some grace. Um, I think I'm at a point now where, listen, there's so many times where I'm like, oh, I'm going to get ahead of my work and I can, I can never do it. I just can never do it because I really do think that I work best a little under pressure. And especially when it comes to my newsletter, it's like, I always want things to feel kind of timely. So I don't like working too far in advance. It's like, I really want people to get like, this is what is on my mind right now. Like I've been thinking about this for the last two weeks since my last newsletter. And now here's the, you know, here's what you're going to get. And so, yeah, I just kind of have given into like, this is just how I work. Like I'm very intuitive and I know when I really need to sit down and get shit done. And I know when I can play a little. In terms of being a fashion creator and a, and a black woman in this space, do you feel like the space is just growing? For me, being in, uh, new to entering this whole time, I feel like we're just the, sort of the beginning of the creator economy. Um, but you've been in it for a lot longer. Do you feel like the space is is just going to continue to expand? Because I've heard other people say that we're kind of at the limit now. Like people getting paid $50,000 for a single reel, like that's going to be a thing of the past. We've gone too far. Um, <laughs> we'd just be curious to get your temperature check on that. I feel like in what I'm doing right now, I am very much in alignment with my purpose. I'm doing what I know I'm meant to be doing with my life. And I'm very much rooted in wanting to help people. I truly believe that, you know, even if social media stuff were to all go down the drain suddenly, it's like, I know that I still have a purpose and I still have ways to help people, even if it's not necessarily on Instagram or TikTok. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Any advice for people that are feeling like, okay, I'm in a job now, but I know long-term eventually I do want to work for myself, whether it's as a content creator or having their own business and being an entrepreneur. What advice would you give people that know that they want it, but they're not necessarily ready to make that jump yet? Hopefully you can do both because essentially that's what I did. You know, I was doing a little bit on the side, even though it was frowned upon, but I I had to test the waters. And also it enabled me to save money so that I could leave my job. That's a huge thing. Like if I wasn't doing brand deals on the side while I was at Bazaar, like I think it would have taken me a lot longer to leave my job. Like, you know, I think walking away from still a well-paying job to go out on your own is really scary. And so I always say I took a very calculated risk, but like high risk, high reward, it did pay off. Um, but I think if you are in a place where you can have your, you know, feet in both things, really try to do that the best you can to, to just like test the situation before you just like totally flip the script. And there's no perfect time. 
to make the switch. Mm -hmm. I think I, I talk about this a lot, but I was really agonizing over when was the right time to leave. The right time is the right time. Like the day I quit my job or like told my boss that I was ready to quit. I had no idea I was going to be quitting when I walked into the office that day. No joke. Like the opportunity will present itself to you and you just got to go for it. What is one thing that you wish you knew at the start of your journey that you now know today? I think what I would say is you can't always plan for everything. And this is the God honest truth because And like, yes, this is something that I think you're like, yeah, of course, duh. But the way in which my life changed in 2020, I don't think I could have ever seen that coming. You can't actually always plan for things because sometimes you just have to meet a moment. I think what you're doing is truly unique and amazing. And I'm so lucky to call you a friend. And I'm going to be just bothering you all the time with all of these questions as I navigate this next chapter. I mean, I'm always here for you. You know that. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you. This has been a long time coming. And, you know, yeah, listen, I think we get all that we can from these corporate experiences. And then we got to go out and spread our little wings. Exactly. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I certainly learned so much from these conversations. I hope you did as well. It's all about being real with each other and sharing our journeys. I hope this episode was informative. And again, I am so thrilled to be able to share my mentors with you all. We're doing a big fragrance deep dive next week. So get excited about that. And I am off to Japan. I need to get my outfits together. My beauty looks together. There's a lot of work to do. Wish me luck. Follow along on the journey. I will be posting, sharing, vlogging the whole thing on my TikTok. I'm at Brooke DeVard on TikTok and Instagram, but I will be sharing the real the real beauty deep dives. That's going to all be on Naked Beauty Planet, of course. So make sure you're following along and stay subscribed for new episodes every Monday. And sometimes we even have bonus episodes. Yes, we're trying to do bonus episodes when we can. So look out for those. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the eighth wonder of the world.